In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Actually, we will study together Romans chapter 6. But the purpose of this study is to understand the resurrection and its relation with the sacraments of the Church. And also, it will help us to understand more the mystery of the Incarnation. In chapter 5, he ended chapter 5 by saying in verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. What did he mean by law entered that the offense might abound? Sin existed even before the law, but people did not know what they were doing was considered sin. But the law exposed their sins. For example, I'm lying, but I didn't know lying is considered sin. So when there is a commandment, don't lie, this commandment made me understand that lying is sin. The law is like X-ray person has stones or tumors and he doesn't know then he did x-ray and the x-ray actually exposed all these stones or tumors so from his perspective he knew the stone through the x-ray so these offenses now abounded not because they did not exist before but the law exposed them so people now aware with the existence of these sins but the law did not have the power to heal the person or to cure so the law was given in the old testament to tell us that we are sinners but it did not heal us when Jesus Christ came as we read in John chapter 1 the law was given by Moses but grace and truth by Jesus Christ so he came with the grace and through the grace he healed our offenses he healed our trespasses He healed our corruption. He forgave our sins. He gave us a new nature. So, these offenses, when they they were abound, uh, they, they abounded, the grace of God abounded in order on the cross to forgive all sins for all the people in all ages. That verse 20 in chapter 5. 
moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So some people have logical question. When sin abound, grace will abound. So maybe it is wise to remain in sin so the grace might abound also. That's the beginning of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And St. Paul said, certainly not. No, we cannot do this. And he started to give reasons why we cannot do this. The first reason he said, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? When a person dies, to something. When I die physically, I cannot live in the world because I died to the world. So he said, we died to sin. How we live in it? It is completely contradicting the concept of death, of dying to sin. But the question would be, when did we die to sin? How how this happened? The answer to this question in verse 3, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So in baptism, we die with the Lord Jesus Christ. We die in him. Why we die? The Lord said to Nicodemus, He who is born of flesh is flesh. Meaning, when I am born from my parents, I am born carnal. Flesh means carnal, not spiritual. So the only way to be spiritual, to die, and then to be born again, but not of flesh, but of spirit. As he said to Nicodemus, he who is born of spirit is spirit. And the Lord Jesus Christ died because the wages of sin is death. That's why he took our humanity and he died with our humanity. So, the punishment or the wages of sin is fulfilled. Now, when I join the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and in his burial and also in his resurrection, then I am dying to sin and also I put on the new man. So in baptism, actually, the person, when he is baptized three times, he crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ, he died with the Lord Jesus Christ, he was buried with the Lord Jesus Christ, 
he rose with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in verse 4 he said, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That's why baptism is by immersion. Buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Christ rose from the dead. So it's a new life because he died and he rose. So it's a new life. In the same way, when I die with the Lord Jesus Christ and I am risen with him in baptism, it is a new life for me. In this new life, sin has no power over me. Sin cannot tempt me. Sin has no power over me and sin cannot tempt me. In the Old Testament, no. Sin has power over me and sin easily can tempt me and make me fall in its trap. But with the new life that I received after baptism, sin has lost its power over me. Like if a person is alive, he can be tempted easily and he is under the power of any law, civil law. But once he dies, nothing can tempt him from the world because he's dead and he is not under the law. In the same way, when we died with the Lord Jesus Christ, now we are new creatures, sin has no power over us. In verse 5 he said, For if we have been united in the likeness of his death by baptism, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So as we were in the likeness of his death, we participate in his death to participate also in his resurrection. Knowing this, verse 6, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. So the old man, the carnal man that was born from our parents, this man is actually is crucified. The body of sin is actually done with. As I told you, no power over me, not reigning in me. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Before baptism, even in the commandment that Abuna says to the parents, of the child on the day of his baptism. Abuna says, in the day in which he was born, he was a slave, but today he is free. We're slaves of sin, but now after baptism, we should no longer be slaves of sin. We should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. 
after we die we don't commit sin so we die with the Lord Jesus Christ and now I am totally free from any sin and actually I became righteous but this is not my own righteousness because I did not work for it but it was given to me as a free gift in baptism it is the righteousness of Christ and we address we, we actually after we dress the child or the baptized person even if adult in white garments because this symbolizes the righteousness of Christ we put red ribbon like a cross why like a cross because through the blood of Jesus Christ we became righteous St. Paul is saying in verse 8 now if we died with Christ we believe that we shall also live with him if we died with him then we live with him this life start here on earth and continue in the eternal life it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me I died in baptism it's no longer I who live the carnal man that was born from our parents but Christ who lives in me what if a person sins again there is difference between sinning before baptism and sinning after baptism before baptism I'm a slave to sin and a slave should obey but after baptism I actually obey sin by my own free will I have the power to say no because sin has no authority over me sin lost the power over me he who died has freed from sin if I sin after baptism what should I do? should I be baptized again? no we don't repeat baptism why we don't repeat baptism? verse 10 for the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to God since Christ died once and baptism is participation in the death of Christ if I baptized more than one once then this means Christ died more than one time but Christ died once for all that's why you don't repeat baptism but we say one faith one baptism as St. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 so if somebody coming from another denomination to join us or to join the Coptic Church and he told me I am baptized he is baptized on a different faith faith that we not acknowledge and that's why when we baptize him it's not a repetition of baptism it's one, but one faith one baptism and then the life we live it we live it to God 
it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. After St. Paul, in, until verse 9, he gave us the theological foundation of baptism and its relation to the resurrection. From verse 11, he started to give us application. What does it mean to die to sin? What does this, does this mean? He said, verse 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to be dead to sin. Every day I need to remind myself I am dead to sin. And sin has no power over me. Sin lost its power over me. I can resist the sin. And through the power and the grace of God, I can say no. And I cannot fall in sin. Yes, I can overcome any sin in my life through the grace of God. But some, unfortunately, some of us, they obey sin and repeat it over and over and over until sin becomes a habit. And when sin becomes a habit, actually, I allow the sin to reign in me. So St. Paul said, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. If you fall one time, don't repeat it again. And don't repeat it over and over. Because if you repeat it over and over, you will let sin to reign in your mortal body. After I am freed from sin, I am not under sin. Sin is not king, king or queen to me. But now, if I repeated sin willingly, I am giving sin authority over me. And when I give sin authority over me, I will obey sin. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. You should obey it in its lusts. Because we obey the king. So if sin reigned in me, then sin became the king or queen. I will obey sin. I will, I will become again a slave of sin, although the Son of God has set me free. So, the first advice, reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. But if you fall once, don't let sin reign in you. That's second advice. The third advice, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. To sin. If I allow my organs, my eyes to be an instrument of sin, my ear to be an instrument of sin, my hand, my mouth, etc., to be an instrument of sin, this leads to death. So, after God has set me free and defeated sin, and sin has no power over me. I, by my own will, give sin power again over me. 
But instead, present yourselves to God as being alive from dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So instead, my eyes look at bad images. My eyes should look at heavenly praises. Instead, my ears hear bad songs. My ear, should, my ear should hear the word of God. Instead of my tongue, curses and gossip and lies and swears, my tongue will utter the words of God. And so on. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And again, St. Paul is reminding us in verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You were baptized, you died to sin. Sin doesn't have dominion over you, unless by your own free will, you allow the sin to reign in your mortal body. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you you are not under the law, but under grace. As I told you, the law exposed sin, but did not heal, did not give me the power to be free from sin. But the grace exposed the sin, but gave me the power to overcome sin and to defeat sin. So St. Paul said, you are not under the law. The law will expose your sins only, but you are under the grace. Grace will help you to heal, to be healed from sin. As I told you, if I sin after I am baptized, I cannot be baptized again. Because Christ died once. So what should I do? God out of his love. He gave us another sacrament. Repentance and confession. And also sacrament of communion or Eucharist. So through repentance and confession. And Eucharist. My sins are forgiven. And then I will regain the righteousness of Christ that I received in baptism, the same righteousness. After I confess and repent and take communion, I regain the righteousness of Christ. That's why I can take communion, or we can take communion every day, but I cannot be baptized every day. Because after baptism, all of us, we commit sins. And we need to regain our righteousness. So we have these sacraments to regain our righteousness again. But I cannot be baptized every time I sin. Some people would argue with St. Paul and say, okay, as long as there is grace, I am forgiven and I have victory. So verse 15, Shall we sin because 
We are not under law, but under grace. And the answer is certainly not. Why? Why I cannot do whatever I want to do, and then I come and confess it to Abuna, and after this I take communion, I become righteous, and then go do whatever I want to do. And For example, if there is a spray that can clean the, the carpet very, very well, and make it brand new. Maybe I shouldn't be so careful because even if it gets dirty, I will actually use this spray and it will clean perfectly and make it as brand new. So why I don't use the same concept with sin? We have the body of Christ and his blood forgive us from all sins. St. Paul in his answer to this question, if we sin more and more, we become a slave to sin. As he said in verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? So, if I am obeying sin, and doing it over and over and over and over, then I am a slave to sin. And you cannot be slave to two masters in the same time. I cannot be slave to God and a slave to sin. Either to choose God, to obey Him, or to choose sin. So the idea of I will do whatever I want to do, and then I come and confess Repent, take communion. Yeah. Because by repeating sin, I'm a slave. I became a slave to sin. Don't you know that to whom you present yourselves a slave to obey? You are that one's slaves whom you obey. Whether to sin, of sin, if you obey sin, and this leading to death. Or of obedience to God leading to righteousness. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot be a slave of two masters. And St. Paul reminded the Romans who were pagan and believed in Jesus Christ and were baptized. So he told them, but God be thanked that though you were a slave of sin, yet you obeyed the word of God from the heart, that form of doctrine, that the word of God, to which you were delivered. So, you were a slave of sin, but when you received the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of incarnation, the doctrine of the crucifixion, uh, death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you believed in this and you were baptized and you received communion. So now, thank God, although you were slaves of sin, but now you are set free, as he said in verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. But the word slave, all of us don't like it. What does it mean to be a slave 
to God or a slave to righteousness. Who likes to be a slave? St. Paul is using this human terminology just to understand. But God told us, I will not call you slaves, but I will call you friends or children. So, God actually called us children and gave us the inheritance of the kingdom of God. But St. Paul is using the word slave to say, if you obey righteousness, if you obey the word of God, you will be like a slave of righteousness. If you obey sin, you will be a slave of uh, sin, of unrighteousness. So he's just making comparison. That's why in verse 19 he said, I speak in human terms. So don't let the word slave to righteousness offend you. I speak, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. So understand, because the immaturity of your spiritual mind. So I'm trying to simplify it and use this comparison slave to sin, slave to righteousness, to understand. But for just as you presented your members as a slave of uncleanness and lawlessness, before Christ, you presented your members as a slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness. And this led to what? Led to more lawlessness. Lawlessness without law. Lawless, without law. So, can you imagine if a country without a law? Can you imagine if traffic without law? Can you imagine any organization without law? In the same way, if I live without law, I will be a mess. That's what he is saying. Uh, you presented yourselves your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. But now, you are children of God, present your members as a slave of righteousness for holiness. When you present your members as a slave of sin, led to more lawlessness. But if you, you present your members as slave of righteousness, this will lead to holiness. And this, a lesson to us. How can I be holy? The word holy is very difficult for many of us. How to be holy and how to live a holy life. Any virtues, any virtue has two levels the level of works and the level of the heart. Love, for example. Love your enemy. How can I have emotions in my heart, positive emotions, loving emotion, affection toward my enemy? That's why how I love my enemy, I start by the work, this level. If your enemy is 
uh, hungry, give him food. If he is thirsty, give him drink. And when actually I do the works of love, God will process the love from my mind when I make a decision to love my enemy to the heart. And God will change my emotion. That's exactly what Paul said here. Present your members as slaves of righteousness. Imagine yourself as a slave of righteousness. A slave doesn't say no. A slave obey. So if you present your members as a slave of righteousness, any righteous act, you should do it. You should yes, say yes and do it. God tells you, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. Yes, I will do. Forgive one another. Yes, I will do. Serve one another. Yes, I will do. Present your members as slaves of righteousness. Then this will lead to holiness. God will purify my heart. God will give me a pure heart and a holy heart. And again, he is saying, you cannot be slave of God and a slave of sin. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard of righteousness. You cannot be both. And St. Paul wants them to reflect. When you were slaves of sin, what kind of fruit you have? Are you proud of this fruit or you are ashamed of this fruit? What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. People who live without law end up in drug abuse, end up in sexual immorality, end up in moral sins, many, many things. And when they remember this life, they are ashamed of it. Ashamed. And at the end, in eternity, there is eternal death. But now, having been set free from sin through baptism, chrismation, communion, and confession, and having become slaves of God. And he is using the word slave more and more to tell us if I'm a slave of God, when God say something, I will say no. I will say yes. You have your fruit of to holiness and the end is everlasting life. So now, as a slave of righteousness, the fruit will be holiness. I will be holy and in eternity, I will have everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, gift, what is the difference between wages and gift? You earn your wages, but you don't earn a gift. So, if you present your members as a slave to sin, you earn a death. Don't blame it on God. 
It's wages. You earn it by your choice. But those who choose to be slave to God, they will receive a gift. A free, because you cannot earn the kingdom of God. It is a gift. Nothing we can do to be worthy or deserving to enter into the Holy of the Holies and to be glorified with Christ. Nothing. So the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life in Christ Jesus. And here as Sunday school servants, I like actually to conclude by saying this. The world actually and Satan is trying to convince our children and our youth. Salvation is very difficult. Salvation is impossible. And it is not fair that you live a few years and then the person is punished eternally in hell. And this thought actually made many of our children reject God and accept atheism because they believe that salvation is very difficult and it's impossible. I want to tell you salvation is very easy. There is nothing in our life easier than to be saved. And I will explain why I'm saying this. I want to tell you about any company in the world tell you you are hired eternity in this eternally in this company and eternally and if you sin or if you made a mistake in this company out of weakness not out of being opponent or be, being contradictory but out of weakness if you come and say, I am sorry, you will be forgiven and you will never lose your job. Can any company has this offer? Absolutely not. That's what Christ did for us. We are born and in baptism we received righteousness as a gift. Did you do anything to earn this gift of righteousness? Nothing. And he told you, you will reign with me in heaven eternally. You will be glorified with me. I carried your sins. I died on, be- on your behalf to redeem you from your sins. And while you are living your life after baptism, I'm not going to give you 10 chances or 100 chances. I'm giving you countless chances, countless chances, endless chances. But try your best, fight the good fight, not to obey sin. But if it happens out of your weakness, you obeyed sin, it's not a big deal. Come, repent, confess your sins, eat my body and drink my blood, and you are righteous again. Do you think there is anything easier than this? Please don't encourage your children in in Sunday school. Don't let Satan or the earthly philosophy to tell them it is impossible for you 
to, to go to heaven. No. Beside many promises, many promises from God, one of the beautiful promises, don't fear little flock. Don't fear little flock. It is your father, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He is our father and he wants to give us the kingdom as inheritance. And it is his pleasure. He is no, he's not forced to do this. It's your father, good pleasure to give you the kingdom as an inheritance. And uh, as we, did, uh, we said in the Bible study yesterday, what are we trading to go to heaven? As uh, I think St. Augustine said, you are breaking your bread to the poor, then God will tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. Come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom that's prepared before you from the kingdom of God, before the foundation of the world. So just for breaking your bread to a poor, just for visiting a sick person, just for hosting a stranger, God will tell you, come inherit the kingdom of God, which prepared for you for the foundation of the world. I see many youth struggling with this idea. Can I be saved? Can I be free from sin? Yes, you can. Sin has no power over you. That is the message of resurrection. Sin has no power over you. Yes, before baptism you were a slave to sin. Now you are not. You died to sin unless by your own will and choice you let sin reckon or reign, sorry, reign in your mortal body. But even if you allowed sin to reign in your mortal body after baptism, it's not a big deal. There is a treatment. The grace of God can cure you, heal you, and make you righteous again by repentance and communion. I think this is a very important message to emphasize to our children all the time. We message of hope. The message of the resurrection is a message of hope. When we say Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. Now sin has no power over you. Death has no power over you. Glory be to God forever and ever.